Ramble. Bada bing, bada boom. It's a mini sode. <laughs> so today's mini sode is going to get crazy. But before we get started, I just want to say, are you looking for true crime? I know you are because you guys are always telling me more murders, more crimes. I need it all. And I just want you to go into your YouTube search bar right now and type in Stephanie Harlow because I've been sucked in on her channel and you are going to get sucked in. The amount of research that she does is extensive. And the way that she tells these stories, they just hook you into it. She recently did the Bonnie and Clyde series. And mind you, I've watched documentaries on Bonnie and Clyde and I I have never seen any of them even go 50% in depth the way that Stephanie Harlow does. I mean, this series is blowing my mind. It's amazing. And if you guys are interested in Body and Clyde, I know most people are. I mean, everyone dresses up as them for Halloween and stuff. You need to go check out that series. So now let's get into the mini-sode. I mean, this mini-sode is wild. My YouTube feed is just all sorts of weird. So I've got like food videos on there. I've got cooking videos. I've got clothing hauls. And then I just get like a bunch of interrogation videos recommended to me nonstop all of the time. And I recently watched one with Stephanie Lazarus, her interrogation video. And it was so mind-blowing. And then it led me to another rabbit hole of another interrogation video. And somehow I ended up with this case. I mean, this case is going to blow your mind. First of all, the interrogation video that's connected to this case is the creepiest shit I've ever seen like I don't know what else to say it's so creepy that you're just like is this person trying to be as creepy as possible there is a point in the interrogation tape where I can even see the detective like backing away physically from the person who is not armed like I mean this person is just really really creepy and this case so interrogation tapes are all public um not all but mm-hmm. a lot of them do get released you know So this one was released and this one also has other fascinating, um, like, I guess, videos that are connected to it because Mm -hmm. this person found out about very big updates in the case on live TV. So, like, imagine getting someone's reaction and not just hearing from the police, like, oh, this person's reaction was a little weird, but mm-hmm. actually getting to, like, see it yourself. It's just... You saw it? Yeah, it's the strangest thing. Oh. It's the strangest thing. And it happens in my home state of Georgia. And I don't know why it was in 2011. I never really heard anything about this case. Maybe I was too young. I never remembered it being on the news or anything. But it's the case of what happened to Lauren Giddings. A lot of people call this the law school murders. I kind of feel like it reminds me so much of the how to get away with murder series you're talking about a bunch of law school students one of them ends up missing everyone looks guilty and everyone even starts getting suspicious of each other at one point all of the friends of the person who went missing and you'll see why like there's lots of like love triangles going on i know straight Mm. up how to get away with murder so this is the story of lauren giddings she was born in maryland and she was the eldest of three daughters so you know this family is full of girls she was just kind of described as like a vibrant person i feel like everyone describes everyone like that but just to like go in depth um, to like paint this picture for you. She is blonde. She wears pink all the time. And she has this cute little dog called Butterbean. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, I know your eyes. Butterbean? Are... <laughs> no. <laughs> what's, what is it? Butterbean? Like our intro is Butterbean, Butterboom. Her, her dog's name is Butterbean. <laughs> ah, okay. So she has this cute little dog, like this tiny little dog called Butterbean, and she takes that dog everywhere. She loves the color pink. Like she will show up like head to toe in pink. And people said that she was a good time. She's like loved. She's vibrant. Some people would say that sometimes she doesn't have a filter <laughs> and she's always smiley. So, I mean, it just seems like she was just full of life. Mm-hmm. And her purpose in life really early on, like all of her family members remember that she just said, I want to grow up and I want to help people. And she, didn't really originally know how exactly she was going to do that like am I going to be a doctor am I going to do this or like an advocate and eventually she was like you know what I'm going to be a lawyer not only am I going to be like a lawyer and like open up a private firm and like make a shit ton of money like that's not the type of lawyer I want to be I don't want to be a judge I don't want to be a prosecutor who like catches these bad dudes I want to be a public defender I want to help the people who are poor and who are accused of crimes Which, like, if you guys don't know, public defenders, I have so much praise for them, and they are so underpaid. So she graduates high school. She moves to Georgia to go to Agnes Scott College, and everyone was so proud of her. She was the first person in her family to attend college. So everyone was like, yes, Lauren, like, we're rooting for you. She graduated in 2006 with a political science degree, and she was like, all right, time for law school. Now, here's the thing. Lauren loves Georgia. So she's like, I'm going to stay in Georgia. I'm going to apply to Mercer Law University or Mercer University Law School, and um, I'm going to see 
if I get in. And she really, really wanted to get in because her idol was Nancy Grace, who's this like legal commentator. She's like a TV personality and she graduated from Mercer. So, um, yeah, Nancy Grace also comments a lot on true crime cases. So if you see like documentaries, a lot of the times you will see Nancy Grace on there. And so, yeah, she she's like kind of like a crime commentator. And um, she was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Mercer. She gets accepted and she's like, holy shit, like this is what I'm going to do. So she gets into law school. Now, her law school, from what I can find, I tried to collect a lot of like stories here and there. But everyone just said she was just on top of everything. Like there is nothing else to say other than I, and I think this is going to describe it. She was a runner like she's in law school and she's running. So she'd be like, okay, like I'm so stressed from like all this schoolwork. I'm going to go run a marathon to de-stress. I think this shows how much of like an achiever she was. She went to church on the weekends. She was even the president of the Federalist Society. And she also had a ton of friends. Like she was really popular. So she meets her good friend Ashley there. And friends and family say that people were always infatuated by Lauren. Like she just attracted a ton of guys all the time. And David was one of them. So David is this older man. He is in his 40s. So 20 years older than her. And she had interned at his law firm in Atlanta, Georgia for a couple of, I think like a couple of months. And they started just developing feelings. They had this spark. They start dating. Then she decided to go to law school. So she's like, okay, like, bye. I got to go an hour and a half away. Like, I guess we're just going to try to make this work. Now, a lot of Lauren's friends say that David is a little bit of a commitment phobe. He even tells the police that himself like he just is scared of commitment and he was um and i quote like a little flaky i guess so their relationship wasn't like the most stable like it wasn't like ooh, like you and me forever like we're gonna be like this power couple of attorneys together right Mm -hmm. and so once she gets to school i mean the relationship gets rocky like it's just i guess there wasn't a lot to relate to now that it's long distance she is studying all night she's running she's got all these things going on he is running his own law firm he's 20 years older i mean Mm -hmm. it just wasn't really working out so they end up breaking up and she meets a guy by the name of joe now joe had a lot more in common with lauren so he's a law student he's got a very relatable lifestyle but he's also like really goofy and around the same age they've got tons of mutual friends so joe's roommate is ashley which is you know lauren's like best friend in college So our best friend in law school. So it just like made sense. So they start dating and it got serious. But there was something about David. Like Lauren was like, I got to go back. Like, I just got to see if it's going to work with David because I just feel like I need to give it one last shot. So she breaks up with Joe. She gets back with David and Joe was pretty heartbroken. Like he was like, fuck, this is so bad. But he was like, you know what? We're not going to make it awkward. We still got the same friends. We still hang out around the same people. And I still really like you as a person. So like, let's just be chill. Let's just be friends. Mm -hmm. So eventually they all graduate. David comes to the graduation. It's like, it was just a really, and I think this makes this case so much more devastating. It was such a good time in lauren's life so she had just graduated she went back to maryland because her sister just had her wedding there and um she immediately came back to macon now it was like this final push so like this final push you just take the bar exams and then you're kind of done like now you can like go be a lawyer right Mm -hmm. and so um she gets back to macon and she's like all right now i gotta study like some people think that this is harder than law school itself like this is people will go into hibernation like into their little isolation caves and just study for how However like a bar long. exam, right? Yeah, like it's just they're like, bye, I'm going to go now. And you'll like never see them again until after the bar. So that's just how hard it is. So all of the friends were getting ready to do that, getting their little study caves ready. So they're like, hey, why don't we just do like one more Friday night? You know, we're all about to go into our little caves. So why don't we just have one final party? And then just like, that's it. We're just going to go study. So June 24th, 2011, that's like what they decide. They're like, we're going to all get together. We're going to drink. We're going to go to the clubs. We're going to go to the bars. And then we're just going to party. So they all go and then after all the bars close after all of the clubbing it's like one in the morning they go back to ashley's house which is um lauren's friend right and also joe happens to live there so her ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. and so they all drink some more and eventually it just happens like most college parties like everyone either finds their way back home ubers home or just like lays on the couch and sleeps you know mm-hmm. and lauren ended up spending the night in joe's room that night now i don't think anything happened but because it's kind of important to the whole story later on right and who mm-hmm. becomes suspicious who was the last person to see her all of these questions right so she spent the night there and she had mentioned to him and other friends that night that she felt like she was being stalked mm-hmm. like she was like hey listen i don't know what's going on like i know i'm about to go study for this bar but like i feel like i'm being stalked i feel like someone is inside of my apartment i don't know i just get like this weird vibe when i'm home alone at night it feels like something's not right like even when i um like i would come home and sometimes things would be like moved around 
And they're like, what? Like, you're, no. And then she's like, no, I'm serious. Like, sometimes I'd come home and my laptop, I thought I put it on my bed, but like now it's here. And they'd be like, no, like, I think you're just like tired. I think we were all tired before we graduated. And you're probably like really stressed out for the bar. No one really took her seriously. They just thought that she was being dramatic. Now, I think it also goes to show that Lauren did have a ton of guys who were always coming on to her. And so maybe people thought, oh, like maybe she's just getting paranoid because guys are constantly approaching her. And sometimes I can get to you like, oh, my God. Like, what if one of them's like a creepo? Are you looking for sustainable jewelry? Because you should be. And I want to tell you guys about Ana Luisa. And this gets me so excited because I've actually been wearing Ana Luisa for like two years now. My first piece was actually very special to me because it was a matching friendship bracelet with my good friend Patricia. And I still have it. I mean, it's amazing quality. I'm a rough person. I like to be able to do things with my hands. And I like to be able to tug on my shirt and not worry about like, hey, is this jewelry? Not only does it look good, not only does it feel good, not only is it made sustainably, is affordable and and do I have to worry about it all the time or can I just put it on and feel good about it? Ana Luisa is perfect for you. So I have a couple of pieces that I highly recommend. I recently got this new necklace. It's this interlocking circle necklace and it's called Sam on their website. It's one of those dainty necklaces that make you look classy, make you look sophisticated, like you got your stuff together. But I never have to worry about if I tug on it, is it going to break? They use 100% recycled sterling silver, so it's sustainable. And they have plating and 14 karat gold. The materials used on this particular necklace are gold on sterling silver and cubic zirconia to make it sparkly. I also have this new stacking set called the Aki set. I mean, like if you look at the pictures, it's like the daintiest ring set ever. They have fair prices. Jewelry starts at $39 with no luxury markup and they're carbon neutral. They offset 100% of their carbon emissions, which I know is really important to a lot of you. And starting with the sourcing of their raw materials all the way to the disposal of their pieces, they ensure the highest production standards while eliminating excessive waste. Go treat yourself and your loved ones. These make perfect gifts. Like I said, matching friendship bracelets, all of that jazz. And it's a unique gift that you can feel good about. Get 10% off at analuisa.com slash rotten. I absolutely recommend them. And they're a great brand making beautiful, sustainable jewelry. Go check out analuisa.com slash rotten. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com slash rotten. And on top of that, when she went home back to Maryland, she had told her sisters that more than once when she came home, things were not left like the way that she had left them. And she feels like people are moving things around. And I think this is again... yeah. Consider a stalker or this is literally a break-in situation but, but like nothing said that it was broken in like the door wasn't open like nothing was left weird so it's not like the door was unlocked or like a window was unlocked like a window was open like none of that it's just so she what was is like she what is thinking? going on like some ghost moved it or no someone... she feels like someone's in her apartment someone's living in there not maybe living i don't think it was like a situation of me being paranoid being like hey baby is there someone in our attic because <laughs> i had a moment where i genuinely believed someone was squatting in our attic for some really dumb reason but i think she just felt like she was being stalked somehow because you know how like stalkers they get in and out without people knowing i feel like yeah. this is like the shittiest part i feel like people might have taken her more seriously if she was like oh and my front door was kicked in you know or my uh. window was left open but yeah. because there was no indication that anyone came into the place it sounded like oh god you're just being so paranoid like i'm sure it wasn't anything unless someone came in and stole your tv and your computer and your laptop like nothing happened yeah. and so everyone just kind of brushed it off so the next morning saturday morning comes around right after this huge party that everyone threw and everyone just starts like slowly leaving ashley's place now again this is a situation like a college party you're not gonna have everyone get up at the same time and like thank the hosts like you're just kind of like crawling to your car you're hungover you need water and you look like a zombie and you just need to get out of here right you want to take a shower so nobody saw lauren leave the house but it wasn't alarming like no one was like oh did she leave when did she leave because this is like the thing everyone just leaves whenever whenever they wake up right Mm -hmm. now joe says oh she woke up early she said that she was going to go to the country club to take a pool so she just like left So everyone's like, oh, okay, sounds good. Now, at this point, this is when everyone starts studying for the bar. Like everyone just like goes into their little caves and nobody's talking to each other. And until a friend of Lauren's from Maryland reaches out to Lauren and she had taken these like really goofy pictures of Lauren at the wedding in Maryland a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And she was like texting them to her and she was like, you know what? Oh, I'm going to post these as like a prank. Like she just wanted her to be like, no, like I look like a doofus. Right. Mm -hmm. And Lauren wasn't responding. So she's like, okay, like I know she's studying, but I mean, 
these are pretty funny pictures. Like, I can't believe she's not responding. Like, these are hilarious. And so she's like, it's fine. I'll wait till the next day. So then she tries texting her again the next day. No response. And then the day after that. And then she's like, okay, like, this is weird. Like, I have never gone more than like two full days without talking to my best friend, you know, even though she lives in Georgia now. So she calls her phone and Lauren's phone was completely off. So she's like, why would she turn her phone off, you know? So mm. she starts calling Lauren's family and all of Lauren's sisters. And they're like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, I knew that she was going to be busy studying, but that is a little weird. So, I mean, this is how serious the studying was. She left her beloved dog, Butterbean. Yeah. <laughs> she left her beloved dog in Maryland. Like, she was like, I can't even take care of my dog mm. right now. And she loves that dog. She was like, this is how intensely I need to study. Like, I'm not going to leave my apartment. Like, all I'm going to be doing is studying, right? Mm -hmm. And so Lauren's family was like, maybe she's just studying. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, let's try. So they start calling her and she's not picking up. So this is when Lauren's sisters start fully freaking out and they start reaching out to Ashley via Facebook message. They're like messaging her and they're like, hey, like, have you seen Lauren? Because she's not picking up our phone and we're like freaking out. And Ashley's like, oh, I haven't seen her since like Friday night. That was like, what, like four days ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I could try to like call her if you want. And they're like, could you actually go check her apartment or something? And she's like, yeah, totally. So she gets to the apartment, which is across from the college, Mercer, right, University. And they see that her car is parked outside in the apartment buildings like parking lot so she's like oh she's totally inside like this is gonna be fine they go to the door they knock on it she doesn't answer so then ashley is like oh she probably like went to starbucks to study like maybe she walked to campus to study she didn't think anything of it and they just kind of like left so they were like it's fine they leave now a few hours later lauren's sister keeps contacting and they're like hey did you get a response because she's still not picking up mm -hmm. like you know you said that you saw her car out there but she's still not picking up so if she had just like hopped over to campus i mean she probably would have called us by now right mm -hmm. so she's like okay yeah you're right like this is fucking weird so ashley gets her boyfriend and her keys to the apartment so she had a spare key to lauren's apartment right and she gets over to lauren's place and her car is still parked in the same place and it mm -hmm. just she said that she had like this gut feeling she had this gut feeling and she was like i don't know what it is but she turned to her boyfriend and was like listen you need to get ready for whatever is inside that apartment like i don't know what it's gonna be but i feel like it's gonna be bad because why would her car be parked out still like all of it was just at first i think maybe when her car's there it's kind of comforting like oh she's she's here like she didn't go anywhere you know but i think the longer you think about it it's like why wouldn't she take her car if she that that would mean that she's at the apartment why isn't she answering the door none of this is how could she go anywhere without her car and so they get the spare key they walk into the apartment now they had to walk a little bit deeper into the actual apartment unit to turn on the lights and once they do i think they were expecting some shit but it was completely empty there was nothing so like, you know, Lauren's purse, her keys and phone, they were all on the couch. Her phone and her laptop were sitting on her bed and Lauren was like not there. There was no crime scene. There was nothing. Just Lauren was gone. It literally looked like Lauren had just walked out. And just like decided not to come back. Now, the reason that Ashley thought this was weird, though, is because Lauren was moving tomorrow. Lauren was packing up all of her things, moving an hour and a half away to David's place. And she's like mm -hmm. looking around and none of the stuff is in boxes. So all of her stuff is just kind of like looked like someone was getting ready to pack, but maybe they still had like a week or two left. It didn't look like it was ready to go tomorrow. So does that mean she's been missing for a long time? Like at least four days since the last time she was seen on Friday, right? Oh, so they're just like, okay. I mean, this is weird. Like it doesn't look like someone who's getting ready to move tomorrow, especially when you're moving like an hour and a half away. So they're like, okay, we need to we need to figure out where she is. So they start contacting all of their friends and Joe being one of them. So he starts searching for her on campus. Like maybe she's studying somewhere or just like left her apartment. Now, Ashley and her boyfriend, they start going through her apartment, um, Lauren's apartment, and they find like this receipt from Zaxby's, which is like honestly such a good chicken spot. Um, but they find this receipt from zaxby's that said it was saturday night so now you're saying the party happened friday night and she got zaxby's saturday night right mm -hmm. so they're kind of thinking okay so the last time she was at this apartment was saturday night at least yeah so um they couldn't find anything else to like see what else was going on if she was here sunday what happened on monday and that's when like the major panic starts setting in because here's the thing with being in law school especially in lauren's position she actually used to intern at a public defender's office 
So she would visit prisoners, like tons of prisoners. She would constantly go to prisons and meet with these people who were the public defender's clients, you know. And they just started thinking, like, I mean, she's met so many different types of people. And like, yeah, you want to think everyone's like this nice person. But Lauren also has this thing about her that makes men incredibly attracted to her because she's just like radiant and she's just full of like ambition and life. And, you know, maybe one of these prisoners like got the wrong idea. Maybe someone became obsessed. Maybe someone became infatuated. So they're they're brain is like running on full-on overdrive Mm -hmm. and the next thing that they find in lauren's apartment they check her computer that was left on her bed and Mm -hmm. they see an email that was sent saturday night to david that said someone tried to i feel like someone tried to break into my apartment like the night prior while she was away at the party like she just kept saying like it feels like someone tried to break in Mm, yeah so they're like okay like if this is the last thing that she's ever sent someone like this is weird so they wait a little bit more lauren's not coming back at this point even like the neighbors started getting concerned so one of the neighbors like her next door neighbor came over and was like hey like what's going on and they were like have you seen her like have you seen her yesterday like i I know you guys are just neighbors but like he's like oh i mean i can try to help you and he was helping search around the unit and stuff and he was like i haven't seen her in a while but i also have just like closed my blinds and just been studying for the bar too he's also a law student right Mm. so he's like I was just studying for the bar. Like, I don't really know, right? And so they decide to call the police and the police immediately come and they thought it was weird. Like that just, especially getting everyone's statements about Lauren, the fact that she was such a social butterfly, it just doesn't seem like the type that would just up and leave, you know? And it's so close to a campus. I think the police had to put a lot of extra care into like making sure that this gets resolved as best as possible so the police are searching her place and that's when the next door neighbor comes up and um his name's Stephen mcdaniel and he's just like hey so like what if she went running and someone just like snatched her up like snatcherone and the police are like yeah i mean who are you <laughs> like it's just a really weird thing to like suggest to the police so they're like okay like this this is gonna be a weird situation because all of these kids are law school students they probably don't think the same way as regular civilians like they're all thinking like what if it's this what if it's that like they've got all these i'm sure maybe they took like a criminal justice class or something so mm-hmm. they're just like oh shit like we got to get on this now lauren's family they start fi- freaking out at this point so lauren's dad gets into a car and he makes that 12 hour drive to georgia from maryland and like imagine in that wow. drive i can't even like anytime i have to take my dog to the vet and it's like a slightly emergency situation like the 20 minute drive kills me so i just don't even understand how yeah like this drive and my heart goes out to him for this drive and so the police during this time they just immediately start interviewing everyone i mean there's no signs of foul play her keys her car everything's here like it's just strange so obviously everyone's thinking okay like where's david where's joe because you know we're law school students we kind of know what's going on and so david is a boyfriend she's moving in with him they've kind of had not the best history right and then joe maybe she might have just spent the night with him maybe it was platonically or you know romantically we don't know it doesn't matter but maybe it does maybe she did reconnect with her ex or maybe joe forced her to sleep the night spend the night right like they're just all these questions that people had And so they first immediately start questioning David. And he said that he was on a golfing trip in California. So he hadn't talked to her for a few days. The police think like, this is weird. They just keep asking him like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, I went like on like a golfing trip on the West Coast. And I didn't really talk to her. There is such a trip called golfing trip. (laughs) Yes. Like I got to take a trip to to golf. golf. Yeah. Even though there's golf courses everywhere. um, The the TikTok you showed me of, I'm playing tennis right now. Oh, yeah. it just screams rich like it's like what do you i feel like golfing already feels rich but like you gotta go on a trip to golf yeah yeah but also like how do you bring your golf clubs do you have to like pay are those checked baggage I think but so, do you what yeah. they just like toss him around like that and so he's he's like yeah i didn't talk to her for a couple of days because i was on this trip and they're like you didn't you don't text her like you didn't text her that you got there like you landed in california you didn't text her like you like checked into the hotel like you didn't like te- text her good night one night and he was like no huh. they're like 
do you know how like strange that sounds like that sounds strange right and he's like yeah no but i mean i was golfing so i didn't really text her or call her and so they're like okay like this is a fucking strange relationship and they even asked about it they were like you know her friends say that you guys didn't have the best relationship so obviously you're suspicious and he was just saying yeah i mean i would kind of like back out anytime i felt commitment but it wasn't bad she was gonna move in with me tomorrow and he was pretty helpful like he even had all of like the tickets and stuff so he had a pretty airtight alibi is what i was trying to say was he worried was he like trying to help like yeah he seemed worried he's he did try to help but i mean i think more importantly he just had like a crazy alibi and he didn't really have like no one i mean from what i could tell it didn't seem like the police suspected him of like like a murder for hire situation okay. like it seemed pretty legit so then they start questioning joe who is technically the last person to see her alive and they even pulled up the security footage from that zaxby's remember because she went to zaxby's the next day and yep. they try to find her car they try to find if anyone was in the car with her and they couldn't see into it so maybe joe was still with her maybe joe had left with her maybe joe went to meet her at zaxby's they were just trying to get like the the lowdown what happened joe tell us mm-hmm. and so they start questioning him and he's like no like she left early she said she was going to the pool um they did find credit card statements of her like buying something at the country club pool and there was just nothing to tie joe to it they didn't completely say you're completely innocent like we're never gonna look at you again but they were just like okay as of right now like we still need to search for her we need to find out what's going on but joe you're still on the list so they start searching lauren's entire place and here's a very interesting thing about this crime they um they had the crime scene technicians come in before anything happened which is really rare in a missing persons case especially in georgia that's what i heard i don't know if this is true um if you guys are a crime scene tech and you're like no i'm always there right maybe that's different but this is the first time i've heard of it so even before they found a body even before they knew it was a crime scene they had crime scene techs in there but that's a not good just thing detectives. No? yeah it's a really good thing right um it was really based on the fact that she's a social butterfly and they were like it's just so out of character just doesn't mm. make any sense so they they already make kind of make the assumption that something might have happened yeah like really bad i mean but she's also beautiful. with like those emails right yeah and all of that it was just weird right next to campus like not looking good and they just kept saying it looked like someone walked in and just like walked out shut the door left now this is all happening that same day what else is happening garbage pickup day so this garbage truck they're just driving around they're picking up all of the dumpsters in campus and they were trying to get into lauren's apartment building and get the dumpsters in the back of this apartment building but mm-hmm. all of the squad cars were just blocking the way and the dump truck was like listen i'm not even gonna try to squeeze in right now like i'll just come back next week like i'm sure it'll be fine like there there's some shit going on so i'm not gonna pick up the trash this is so important they're like i'm not gonna pick up the trash Listen, are you missing your workout routine and your favorite fitness instructors? Listen, I've been watching people. I've been going through the same thing. One day I'll start this new routine and I'm like, "Uh, it just doesn't hit the spot. Then I stop working out again. I literally saw people online take like giant water jugs and just start trying to run with it. And that is when what led me to the Soul Cycle at home bike. Soul Cycle, they have such good energy when you go into their studios, but obviously I can't go in right now. So the Soul Cycle at home bike converts your home into a Soul Cycle studio, like straight up. They have a 21-inch touchscreen that houses just this revolutionary sound system, which is so important. It's specifically engineered for this bike, and they have SoulCycle's iconic playlist. You have unlimited access to live and on-demand SoulCycle classes. You can clip in with your favorite instructors and be transported to the front row of the studio on your own schedule. Your monthly membership also gives you unlimited access to the Equinox Plus app, where you can stream classes from other top-tier brands like Equinox, Rumble, TB12, and Pure Yoga. You can also get your soul cycle at home bike in just one to three weeks they also have financing options available to make obtaining your goals achievable personally i love the speakers on this soul cycle bike because when you're in that class with that music pumping i was like maybe this bike won't do it for me like maybe they say it does but i'm gonna get it i'm gonna you know clip in and it's not gonna be the same experience but it really was like it's straight up the same experience maybe even better because no one here has to hear my heavy breathing get your soul cycle at home bike today by visiting mysoulcyclebike.com slash rotten and use promo code rotten to get a free pair of at home select cycling shoes with your purchase that's mysoulcyclebike.com slash rotten promo code rotten to get a free pair of cycling shoes with the purchase of your soul cycle at home bike that's mysoulcyclebike.com slash rotten promo code rotten 
So they keep searching the apartment building and as they're coming down the stairs. So it's not necessarily an apartment building that's like indoor hallways. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those smaller ones with maybe like two floors. I want to say like, I mean, I saw Google pictures, but I want to feel like maybe like eight to 16 units, depending on if there's like a back unit. Right. And um, they're coming down the steps and it's like a hot day. It's like summer in Georgia. They, they don't call it hot Lana for nothing, okay? And they get like this gust of just like hot air wind as mm-hmm. the, the police are coming down the steps from Lauren's unit. Mm-hmm. And they smell just the most penetrating scent and they immediately knew like they're looking at each other and they're like oh shit like where is this coming from because some shit's about to go down like we know this smell this is not a smell that we should be smelling right now and so they kind of follow the strong odor and it leads them to the garbage area and inside of one of those garbage cans they open it there's these two giant large trash bags and the first one they open it up like they're like rushing i'm sure right so they like open it up and it's just household trash like receipts and stuff so they're like okay like let's go deeper so they take that one out and then they open up the second bag and the police officer he was actually interviewed and he said that when he touched that bag like he just knew there were human remains like it feels like a body through a bag you know it doesn't feel like you are throwing away like water bottles and so they open it up but they were surprised to find that it wasn't necessarily what they were expecting i mean they were expecting a body but they just found a torso and that's it no limbs no head no arms no legs just a torso Holy moly. Now, remember that trash truck? This trash was going to be taken to the landfills today. And they found it. And the only reason that the trash truck couldn't come was because all the squad cars were blocking the entrance. Wow. So they're like, okay, like this is bad. They knew that the torso belonged to a Caucasian woman, but they couldn't really, they couldn't immediately ID, ID anyone. I, I mean, mean this obviously, is the same cops who's looking for her, right? Yeah. So obviously people are thinking like, okay, like the cops are thinking some shit's going to go down. Like maybe this is Lauren, but we can't say anything. We don't even want to tell the families because we need to identify her. Right. Yeah. And so they don't tell anyone. They wanted time to investigate. They don't want this place to be an absolute shit show. They don't want the press all over the place. And, um, you know, they wanted to talk to Lauren's family. Now, somehow the press find out about this it gets leaked and they publish a piece on how a torso has been found across U- mercer university's campus <sighs> i mean i think price is not evil like i'm not like a hundred percent on that side where i'm like press 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 you know but like i don't think that they're necessarily evil but there have been so many times in true crime cases where i'm like why would you do that well like why would you jeopardize all of these people's lives just so that you could get the first piece out there like i don't understand why they published this especially because lauren's family had no idea that they found a body ah so they think she might still be alive so they're in maryland just like on their phones like trying to get in contact her dad was on the way to georgia still and the way they found out was a bunch of family friends and their uncle was calling being like hey like how are you guys dealing with the update they're like what do you mean what update you know they found a body like see that's what i'm saying this is so bad like i mean there's usually there's a reason why doctors and police are the ones to tell because they get trained on how to give a notice in a way that is respectful like Mm. it's you know and now they're like what the fork like what are you talking about so lauren's dad he immediately goes to the police station in georgia and he's like i need to see her i need to id her if this is her like i need to see her and the police chief he said okay like i need everyone to clear the room so everyone leaves the room and he says listen I'm not going to let you do that. Lauren's dad like, oh, the hell you're not like, yeah, you are like, I'm going to ID my if that's my daughter, I need to know. Right. And he was like, listen, I'm not talking to you like a police officer. I am a dad and I'm talking to you father to father and I will not let you do that. Like, you're not going to do that. And then he had to tell him it's not just because I don't want a father to see something like this, but it's because we've only found a torso yeah so the press at this point they knew that there was a body found so so he doesn't want him to see it because why you just you can't get this image out of your head like let's say Mm. he sees you know i think it's um interesting because from what i can tell in especially brutal cases they try not to let the families id the bodies i mean most of the time you can't even id the bodies because it's been such a brutal situation right and like why would you want that in your head but how are they gonna find out then so dna testing so they used dna to id her and it was a positive match to 27 year old lauren Giddings. now um lauren's dad was actually pretty thankful that he 
didn't see her body you know but it's just it was really shitty so they start interviewing everyone i mean the police are on to everyone like the maintenance man of the apartment is also a law student so it's like everyone's a fucking law student and like imagine too like how daunting it is and not only are these very you know nice people but they're also like really intelligent law students like yeah like try to question them i think it's like questioning a lawyer like i'm sure they're the most annoying for police officers right so they're like questioning all of her friends everyone's being interviewed they're questioning her neighbors her um teachers just everyone everyone and their mom right and so steven was her next door neighbor so they were like hey like when's the last time you saw her like was there anyone weird following her like Mm -hmm. did you see anyone like stalking or like peeping through her windows and he was like i mean i've been her neighbor for like three years and i've never really seen any weird activity i i don't think so if anything i th- I feel like maybe she went on a run and someone like kidnapped her because mm-hmm. i never really see anyone around the apartment and he's like yeah i'm a member of the federalist society but i mean we're not really friends like he does mention that he was super busy studying all week for all of the bars and stuff and all of the friends they're questioned and they're like yeah i haven't seen her since friday and we were all studying for the bar so it seems like everyone has the same response and the police are like this is really frustrating like everyone was just studying and um all of the friends even started questioning each other. Like Ashley was interviewed and she even admitted, I feel so guilty admitting this, but I was really questioning my friend Joe. Like I was like, Joe, I mean, Mm. no one was asking them straight up. Like, did you do it? But they were just like, oh, like, what did you do the past couple days? And everyone's like, I was studying for the bar. What about you? I was studying for the bar, you know? That's crazy. And the fact that they're all like, you know, trying to be lawyers. Yeah. So they also their minds like running all sorts of scenarios too. And I'm sure they're like taught like you can't trust everyone for what they say. So they're like, oh, yeah, you freaking little liar. Show me the proof where there's where the receipts, you know. So they even questioned a bunch of her running buddies. They were like, who runs with her? Like if she did get snatched while she's running, like is there a route that she takes? Like they're just trying to get all over this. Now, at the same time, a bunch of press is all over the place. So you've got police detectives at the station questioning people. You've got some still searching Lauren's place. You've got some like searching her running routes and you've got a bunch of press like it's an absolute chaotic shit show and one of the press they're just trying to interview anyone like they're like do you know lauren like let me try to interview you right and one of those people was steven he was like coming home from the police station and he lives at this apartment building so he's like okay like there's so much press here and mm-hmm. they're like hey 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 like do you live here and he's like yeah and you know they're like oh like tell me more and so he's like yeah i mean lauren's been my neighbor for three years i mean she's as nice as she can be i mean i think all of us just kind of think maybe she was running and someone snatched her there's the police say there's no sign of any break-in so i don't really know mm-hmm. and that's when on television right this is recorded the journalist or the interviewer goes well, what about the person that they recovered? I mean, from the parking lot area? I mean, obviously, we don't know if it's her, but it's just strange that a body was found. And Stephen looks at the camera, and he looks away into the distance, and he says, Body? And he stares. And they're like, are you okay? Like, what's his reaction? Like, he's shocked or... So this is where opinions differ, right? And so he says, oh my God, I need to sit down. And so he sits down on the ground and he just starts crying on the sidewalk, like almost hyperventilating. And he's just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, right? So a lot of people think that this is a really strange reaction, but I don't really know. Like, I'm trying to think about it. And if I had, like... We recently, because all my neighbors are really old, <laughs> and we recently saw um, an ambulance outside in the middle of the night, and I was pretty shocked. Like, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, I really hope nothing bad happened. So I feel like if I got the news that one of them had passed, I would be shocked. And so him being her neighbor for three years, she goes missing. Like, I'm sure that's a very shocking experience. They find out that there's a body mm-hmm. found in the apartment complex that you live in. Like, I'm sure it's really shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Some people think it was faked. Because of, um, we'll we'll discuss that later, but some people think it was a faked reaction. Some people think it's a genuine reaction, but not necessarily towards Lauren being dead. So he starts freaking out and he's just like, oh my God, oh my God. So some people think that maybe this is his reaction of evidence being found versus losing a friend. So when he was acting that way, was the interviewer suspicious then? I'm not necessarily sure. Like, from what I can tell, there's like a 12-minute clip on YouTube of it. It seems like the interviewer is just trying to get a good moment, to be honest. She's not like, where were you that night? You know, like, she doesn't seem like she's like, huh, right? But I think she, like, wanted this, like, 
emotion for uh, sure. Like I think okay. she was like, "Tell us more. Like how sad are you?" Like so, go, I'm gonna assume this is the murder. Yes. <laughs> and the interviewer. So this clip became. Viral after the fact. Yeah, because yeah, but wow. I don't think that she was like you know doing her own investigative thing and like was okay. like oh I think this is the guy right and so the police that are searching what? Lauren's apartment see him like they had just questioned him at the police station and now he's like falling apart on the sidewalk so they're like this dude's weird you know like this dude is just rubbing us the wrong way and so they're like come on let's bring you back in for questioning so they bring him back downtown to get questioned and the first time it's he's just like very fidgety like he's just like a weird dude like he's just freaking fidgeting and he's just telling telling them a bunch of nonsense like how he's a virgin he's gonna save himself from marriage he has always wanted to stay a virgin until he gets married all of these things and everyone's like why is he saying that yeah the police are like we don't really need to know any of this and they ask him like we noticed you know but i feel like we need to ask what are like the little scratch marks that you have here and there and is there anywhere else you have it instead of your face and stuff and he sure enough had scratch marks on his stomach this is like the preppy killer and he's like oh i did it in my sleep so like do you mind if we search your apartment because like this is all leading towards some weird stuff and he's like yeah totally like you can search my apartment so they go to steven's apartment and his apartment is so freaking weird i don't even know what to say so he has a collection of swords listen i'm into all hobbies do your thing right so he has a collection of swords a little startling i like swords i do too but if i just knew that my neighbor had just a massive collection of swords i'd just be like damn Where'd I move to? This is really intense, you know? I don't know if I'm inviting them over for dinner. And he just had a massive collection of guns. That's a different story. And he also had just like empty toilet paper rolls like sitting on top of a table. Like they didn't have any toilet paper on them. They're just like the cardboard. But it didn't look like he was recycling them. You know, I totally get it if you're just trying to recycle them. But they were just like, they were just laying on a desk. Like he used up all this. lazy to trash it but it doesn't look like oh, it he's collecting it's, them it looks like it it's just weird like i saw a picture of it and it was just weird it wasn't like in the bathroom either so it's are not they like lay the, like very organized yeah so it's just odd i don't know what you're Maybe doing he's with trying that. to make a, like a diy art <laughs> diy vase yeah <laughs> spray paint it five minute craft <sighs> situation going on <laughs> he watched one minute one five minute crafts He's like, I gotta, I gotta wait till I have a hundred toilet paper rolls so that I can make this vase that they told me to make in five minutes. <laughs> I know what you mean. And he also had stockpiled canned foods. Yeah, so he was like really like ready to go. Canned <laughs> food, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one you're not gonna get. He had tons of women's underwear. And he made masks out of them. Now, this is 2011. So it's not like a COVID mask. I mean, that's weird. But like, a, like a, imagine like you're trying to poke some eye holes out and just wear women's panties as like a ski mask. What? So they found that. I mean, that's weird. And they also found tons and tons of condoms. And they asked him like, hey, why do you have condoms? I thought you're a virgin. And he uh-huh. was like, oh, um, I just I I stole those from a couple different places, like different apartments. I like stole condoms. Different apartments. And right when he said that, the police are like, you just admitted to stealing. We already think that you're a suspicious mother forker. Like you are acting really, really strange. And now you're telling you've got women's ski mask underwear, right? Like you're weird, dude. Now we're going to arrest you for theft. Like now we have a reason to arrest you. So we're going to go back to the station, right? And they said that driving him back to the station, he was like a new person. He was like a totally different person. He was weird. He was monotone. He was lifeless. He was barely responding to people. He just turned into straight up a zombie. A zombie. Hey there, this is Stephanie Sue, host of Rotten Mango, and I'm excited to share with you the iconic television series Unsolved Mysteries is now a podcast with all new stories. I'm freaking out right now because I am obsessed with Unsolved Mysteries. This is my jam. I binge watch every single episode of all of their seasons, the old ones, the new ones on Netflix, all of that. They're my favorite. I don't know why. There's just something about them that just makes me feel like, okay, these are stories that I've never really heard of. Now they have a podcast. So you can listen to it when you're driving, just anywhere. Each episode focuses on one specific mystery and includes interviews from the people who are actually there, which is my favorite part about Unsolved Mysteries. You'll hear stories of terrifying abductions, bizarre paranormal encounters, heinous killers, and unexplained deaths. The official Unsolved Mysteries podcast comes from the original creators of 
of the long-running television show, and it's presented by Cadence 13. Plus, each episode asks listeners like you for help. So listen to the new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries every week, and maybe you can provide clues that could help solve these mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries, the podcast, is available now. Listen and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. So he gets to the police station and this is when the interrogation happens. If you just watch this and just watch him, it's like that movie part. You know how they all, the directors always try to do those movies where one person is standing in the middle of like, I don't know, like a New York subway station and they're just standing still. It's like a music video moment and everyone is like rushing past them, Mm -hmm. but they're standing still. Mm -hmm. This is that interrogation. Like there's police coming in and out. The detective is like fidgeting, moving, and he's just upright in his chair back completely pin straight with his palms on the table in front of him just like that doesn't talk barely talks when he does you know they're like asking him questions he would just say yes no i don't know there was a part where um so there's like kind of like a police strategy where you get really up in their face i'm <laughs> like bullying right you get really up in their face and you're like look at me and because this is the south the detective was like look at me son right and so he's like look at me and he's like right up in his face like look at me son and he just steven slowly turns his face to be face to face directly with the detective making eye contact just so calmly in a way that the detective is the first one to break eye contact like he leans back in his chair and he's like so what are you studying huh what are, what are you studying in in college what do you what do you what do you what, what kind of law so they got intimidated by yeah. him i mean like if you watch the interrogation tapes i mean i'm gonna put it in source notes because i have a website now i know so professional um <sighs> yeah no really i do rottenmangopodcast.com hello squarespace <laughs> okay anyway so um no if you watch it it's mind-blowing he's just like slowly turns his head and maintains eye contact with the detective and he's just like all right so like what are you studying what kind of law and he just doesn't respond what the heck now the detective is like getting a co- phone call on his cell phone and he picks it up and Steven is just still staring at him. Like imagine how daunting that is. Like and it like it seems like Steven's like the police officer. Now again, this is why people are saying is this a, some sort of mental breakdown? Is this a psychotic break? Is this a strategy? Is this a character that he's putting on for a legal defense? Like it all comes into question and I think I have somewhat of an answer, right? So he's just like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. And so they ask at one point, do you even care that no one can find, you know, her, the rest of her? And he's like, yes. What's up with the underwear mask? Like, do you cut it out to look like that? No. Earlier, you were acting normal. Why are you acting like this now? I don't understand. Are you scared? Are you scared? Is that why you're acting like this? No. No imagine imagine is he trying to act like he's being possessed or something i don't know but like dude if you are interrogating someone and you're a police officer and they're acting like this and you ask them if they're scared and they say no you're the one that needs to be scared you gotta be scared i'd be so scared he was like just dead ass speaking in lowercase for like 90 minutes straight like i don't know how to explain it like he had no emotion the police get more intense they're just like you stood out there on the freaking news and gave a media report about her and now you don't fucking know like you don't know shit now oh suddenly you don't know shit yeah they got really intense i'm gonna be honest okay they keep asking about the guns and he's like i've never they're like have you ever shot a gun in your entire life and he just says no So you bought these three guns that you've never shot? Why? To have. For what? For what? For what do you want this for? To have. (gasps) What? I mean, it's confusing because if you're trying to play like the lawyer tactic, I mean, you would think that the law school graduate's first tactic is to get a lawyer, right? Yeah. So I don't really know what's going on. And then the detectives go into a bluff. Like, so they're just kind of like lying and they're just like, hey, so I found blood in your apartment. And he knew that there wasn't probably any blood in his apartment because we'll later find out that Lauren Giddings was murdered and dismembered in her own apartment, in her own bathroom. And the detectives even got into his face and was like, you scrubbed, you wiped, but we can see through all of that. Don't you watch CSI? Like he straight up said that. (laughs) Like really intense. So they keep questioning him and they just kept, they were like preachers. I don't know if it's the Southern accent, but at one point the detective just sits there and he just keeps going why are you being like this steven why are you being like this steven and just kept asking him 
because Stephen would just sit there and be like, I don't understand. So at this point, Lauren's apartment's still being searched. Stephen's apartment is being searched and they couldn't really find any blood or prints off of anyone else in Lauren's apartment. But also the fact that this was like a crime scene. Her friends had come in before they called the police. No one's blaming them. I'm just saying like, you know, it's tampers with the DNA. Mm -hmm. And they did spray luminol in her bathroom and her entire bathtub lit up, which now the police think that, okay, so she was probably dismembered in her bathtub. Two inches to the top of the bathtub was glowing. So there was a lot of blood. Like they're just saying this oh, it was filled up the whole yeah, tub. Like this Whoa. was intense. There was blood splatter all over the bath, like the bathtub walls. You know. Oh my god! And inside of Stephen's apartment, they start searching and they find two keys. They find two very suspicious keys. One was the master key to the entire complex. The second was a spare key to Lauren's apartment. So whether he somehow made a copy of, you know, her key or broke in and got her key, ran and made a copy, then brought it back. Like, I don't know how he got a spare key or they just keep spares around. He stole it. How does he even have a master key? Exactly. I never could find out how he got it. Holy shit. So he just has these two keys. And so Lauren was right about someone being in her apartment. She wasn't being dramatic. Like she was right. Oh my God. So it was him. Stephen was stalking Lauren for, I mean, I want to say close to three years. Like they had been neighbors for three years. At one point he had asked her out and she said that like, hey, listen, I, I'm dating someone. Like I can't, you know, what do you want me to do? Like break up with my boyfriend. I'm sure she also wasn't interested, but she did it in a way that was incredibly nice, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't like, ew, no. Like it was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I have a boyfriend, right? And they didn't really have the same friend group. They weren't really in the same things. Like they didn't have the same interests. The one thing that I could find other than them being in the same law school and living right next to each other was the fact that they were part of the federalist you know Mm -hmm. um i forgot the word (laughs) i'm literally blanking on that but they were part of the same club right and so steven was kind of described as this squeaky geeky quirky squeaky gorky that's a new word gorky whereas lauren is like this very popular person and it just was weird it seemed like he had become obsessed with her and he just started breaking into her apartment tracking her schedule tracking her movements and i think what a lot of people think is that he was getting nervous about her moving away so some people think maybe it's just obsession towards her maybe it's just infatuation towards her but now like what is he going to do when she's gone like who is he going to spy on maybe he was addicted to spying on her maybe he was addicted to stalking her it just felt like i mean the timing of it was so weird like the day like a couple days before she moves out yeah out of the past three years it just seemed like he couldn't bear the thought of her being gone is what it seems like like. so freaking alarmed this is the classic story of a stalker i couldn't bear you running away and just would rather kill you oh my god so they go into the maintenance room with the master key. Now, the maintenance room is not in a really suspicious spot. It's actually inside the communal laundry room. Mm-hmm. So they were able to access it. You need the master key to access this room. So who would have it? Maybe the building owner, obviously the maintenance worker, obviously now Steven for some reason. And most residents would not have this type of access to the maintenance room, right? Mm-hmm. And so they go inside and they find a hacksaw. And this hacksaw, I mean, it looked like someone had really sloppily tried to clean the blood off of the handles of it, but there was still a lot of blood on it there was also human flesh like pieces of flesh oh, on the no. hacksaw so they immediately bring in the maintenance man again and they he's like i don't know what you're talking about like i'm a law student yes like i go to the same school as lauren yes like i'm a maintenance worker but uh, why would i no i've never seen this thing in my entire life so now you have this situation where okay could this be the maintenance man completely framing stephen mcdaniel or mm-hmm. could it be stephen mcdaniel because obviously if the maintenance man has master keys to all the units he could totally put a master key in stephen's unit plus all these other things right Mm -hmm. and um, maybe steven's innocent and he's having a mental breakdown and so they start questioning him and that's when a police officer is like we found it they found the packaging of the hacksaw in steven's apartment so that Mm -hmm. like again obviously could be planted but it just feels weird right if we can trace down where he bought it like if we can get security cameras or match it with his credit card statements that's another story so they start digging in there they also find lauren's underwear in his drawers how did they verify that? So that one took a little while, but like DNA. Oh. Yeah. So he breaks into different women's house? I don't know how many. Like they didn't oh. test all of them to see if they were. Oh, mo- probably a lot of them are from Lauren then. If mm-hmm. she's so obsessed with her. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Super strange, right? So he gets arrested. I don't know why. I think it has to do with all of the interrogations, you know, the fact that he is acting the way that he is. I think the maintenance worker, like he had an alibi too. So it just didn't make sense to be the maintenance worker. So he gets arrested. And at first this was a death penalty case. Like they were seeking the death penalty, but there was just not a lot of good evidence. Like everything was circumstantial. Like he could easily go to court and say, you know who else? else has all those things the maintenance worker you know who else could have all those things anyone that takes it from the maintenance worker or who the maintenance worker gives them to like it's just too up in the air it's just like a situation where it's like literally all of our rooms can so easily be you know you can come into my room with this you know easy master key so it's so circumstantial there were like eight separate searches on his apartment so there was tons of issues with that because that's a lot of people in and out. Mm. That's a lot of different detectives. Maybe there was, you know, some mishandling of evidence. So that could be called into question and everything could be thrown out at that point. Mm-hmm. Lauren herself was against the death penalty. And so um, it seemed like a lot of people were, I wouldn't say happy, but a lot of people said that it kind of made sense that the death penalty on this case eventually got dropped. So they were just saying, like, maybe we can, instead of being really upset, maybe we can see it as, you know, Lauren herself was against it. So Mm. maybe this is something that we can see as like, okay, well. So this is when the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the GBI, they get involved and they're just saying, listen, there is no way if someone goes and murders someone, a next door neighbor, like a a male murders a female and he's a straight man and he goes and murders this neighbor and dismembers her and throws her torso into the trash can. There's no way that someone like this doesn't have an Internet history that won't blow your fucking mind. Like there's no way like people like this. It always starts on the Internet. They have some weird ass interests. They've got some weird hobbies they google some weird stuff okay that is very very true if they're into such things sick and twisted things yeah that makes oh yeah that's so true yeah so they were like if we're gonna find any solid evidence that like the jury is gonna be like oh shit like that's the smoking gun we need to go through his computer so they start searching his computers his cameras everything for any like digital evidence and that's when they find so much stuff so much stuff So they find that he is constantly searching for sadistic and violent pornography. I'm not talking BDSM. I'm not talking Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm talking straight dismemberment porn, torture porn, murder porn. Now, I don't really want to Google this because I don't know how it works. I mean, I know that if it's real, it's a snuff film. So is it like acting? I don't I don't even know that. I didn't even know there was a genre for this. I always thought it was like snuff. Like it's like, okay, like you're buying really scary videos off the dark web. But they saw that. So it does doesn't specify if he was on the dark web getting snuff films or if there's like a a website for stuff like this where it is all fake but they're getting dismembered but he was watching dismemberment porn like in a very sexual way now they can also find that at the same time he had browsers open while he has a browser open watching that type of porn he has a browser open viewing lauren's social media pages i'm talking her facebook her fucking linkedin he was he was on her LinkedIn while he's looking at stuff like this. They can see all of that. Yeah. And th- he also stole a flash drive from her place and downloaded photos of her from it onto his computer. So they saw that too. Like he's like importing it into his computer. At the same time, they found child pornography in his computer. That's so, huge that's already. huge. Just CP alone. Yeah. And on that digital camera that they found, they found um, deleted footage that they were somehow able to recover of videos taken the night of the murder. Now, I don't think that there was any videos taken of like the murder. I don't think that this was a situation where he was trying to like make a video of it or anything. But Mm -hmm. he did take videos of like his camera was set up right outside of Lauren's window. And it looked like it had been attached to like a tripod or like a stick that he can like kind of like stick it in and see. Yeah. So it seems like he was like like a predator like stalking her straight up to see like where in the apartment is she is she falling asleep yet what is she doing right now so that he can find the perfect time to like bounce like pounce and it would just like scan back and forth like it really just seemed like surveillance so they found that that's like a huge smoking gun the other thing that they found was that he had a blog he was a freaking blogger and he had a bunch of blog posts and he wrote them under the name sol the son of liberty quick brain come on i was trying to think of a different sol that was really mean but i can't think of anything right now (laughs) he wrote all these like blog posts and he had this one story it was a fictional story 
which is alarming. But he said that he had just graduated from law, law school and he was partying hard by drinking alone in front of my computer, just like tortured soul vibes. And then that's when I look out my window and I see my sexy neighbor come home late. And, you know, I talk to her occasionally in the past, but not a lot. I just know that she wants a certain piece of my anatomy. I invite her in, I make her a drink, I finally lose my V-card, she overdoses and dies. I barbecue her limbs to celebrate. I'm not that into human remains, but I throw out her torso. I'm gonna lose it on national television while the cops discover her remains. You mad virgins? What? Yeah, that was a blog post. He literally just confessed to it online? Yeah, this was like before the actual murder. But like he, yeah. And then there were other blog posts on how to commit the perfect murder, how to use chloroform to like knock people out, how to dump someone's body. This one is the one Why? This is how many times have we went through these things? Uh, Yeah, how many times have we gone through people being like, hey, do you want to know how to commit the perfect murder? I'm going to write about it and post it online. What the And it's like step number one, don't post it online. I mean, I guess it's it's that personality trait, right? But yeah, if you're like, you think you're so smart that you can you're outsmart like all. the FBI and all of these things, then maybe you want to like brag about it mm-hmm. and be like, oh, let me blow your mind, right? Okay. So the next one, this is very important with the interrogation situation, right? So everyone's wondering, was this all faked? Was this a mental breakdown? Was this a strategy? Like, what was that interrogation thing? Why was he sitting like that? Like, is something wrong with him? Is he insane? Because that matters in the court of law. And... He wrote a blog post on how to get away with mass murder. Now, this mass murder happened to take place, hypothetically, at the funeral of a fallen soldier, which is just the strangest. I mean, all mass murders are freaking what? But like a funeral? And he was like, everyone's going to be grieving. And that's when I'm going to come in and kill everyone. Like what? And this is the part that's very interesting. So he says afterwards, he would get onto his on the floor, hug his knees and just stare blankly. I'd remain in this state for at least a day. No talking, no communication. Blank, unfocused stares. I do not fall asleep either. Eventually, new stimuli is introduced. A family member I haven't seen in a while. A picture of my brother or something like that. And I'll shake my head from side to side. I'll blink rapidly and look around in like a panicked manner. Where am I? What's going on? Is my family okay? Why am I here? When they ask, I'll say that I have no memory of anything that's happened after I arrived at the scene. I keep the story consistent, and whenever I am asked about what happened, I look down, I put a sad look on my face, and I relay what I was told happened, because I have no memory of it. I might be institutionalized for a while, so they can try to figure out what caused the blackout and what's wrong with me. They may take my guns from me, but they may also take away my ability to purchase more guns. But if I stick to the story, it's doubtful I'd end up in prison. Of course, this is all hypothetical, is, is what he, he wrote. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is he talking about? Yeah. Is, are you five? What are you saying? Yeah. Like we're gonna look at this and say, oh, yeah. poor man just had a blackout. But what are also, you saying? like, you have access to a computer. If you look at any mass murder situations, um, there really is no leeway for. I'm insane. Like, that's not something where they're like, okay, like, you'll be free. We're never going to... They're all at ADX Florence. Like, f- you get it. They're in Supermax. Like, you're not going to go to a mental institution. I don't even... There's no way that that's going to happen in the first place. And I don't know why you would think that. I don't know why you would post that, obviously. But it's just so strange. And so um, they kind of work on the timeline. So they see that he had recorded her at around 9.34 p.m. And then again at 12.37 in the morning. And this was all deleted footage. And at around 4 a.m., he claims also that he snuck into her apartment. Now, he claims that he only he snuck in there only to stare at her while she sleeps, right? It's not a creepy he was wearing a mask i don't know if it was a panty mask or a regular mask but he was wearing a mask and he snuck into her apartment and as she was sleeping he stood over her and he decided to get closer and that's when like one of the floorboards creaked mm-hmm. and she woke up because i'm sure she was already on edge right like she had just written that email she finally fell asleep so she wakes up and starts panicking and he pounced on top of her and started strangling her and he claims that she did everything to fight back she scratched him she took off his mask oh wait so he's confessing yeah to everything yeah how just um it was because well we'll get into it yeah and so he she was able to take off his mask and she even said steven please stop Mm -hmm. and then he strangled her for about 15 minutes is what he said 
and she died of asphyxiation, dragged her to her own bathtub and just like left her there for a day because he didn't know what to do with her body. So then he went, he purchased that hacksaw, came back in and dismembered her and he threw all of her limbs into the college trash, like the dumpsters that was across and the garbage, like the trucks had picked that up. So they did search landfills. They even like dug up some landfills and they couldn't find her anywhere. And he he threw the torso into the apartment building, which would have been picked up that day if the police weren't blocking the entry. So he gets together like this team of super expensive, just competent. They call them the dream team lawyers, you know, and one of them was Lauren's teacher was like one of his attorneys, which I just think it's really weird. No freaking yeah. way. How? I don't know. I just feel like that's just not really ethical. Like there's got to be something. I don't know anything about law, but like that just doesn't feel right. And so he was one of the attorneys on his team. And everyone said like the police were annoyed because they just like had this swagger about them. Like all of them were fucking cocky. Like they were like, oh, this is all circumstantial. There's no way you can pinpoint it. Right. So they were just like walking around like eh, they're, he's going to get away that with it. That is so messed up. Yeah. Right? You go to a law school. School, something yeah. like this happens and one of the teacher decide to take on the murder and he was lauren's teacher i don't even know if he was steven's teacher but he was so, for sure lauren you know isn't like with laws like you know obviously justice is yeah but with this it's like huh let me see if i can get away with a murder yeah like it's so weird and I like if i were st- a student i probably wouldn't want to go to that professor's class anymore i'd be like or do you weird, think to, to law students how to get away with the murder is you know what i mean or maybe it's like one of your own type situations like the police maybe like the professors are like this is one of my own like this i don't is, know I don't about know. that i feel like it's more of like a flex okay oh. i'm gonna I'm a, see how good of a lawyer that i am yeah because i mean that makes sense because i just can't see like me as a person i if that was my student and another yeah. student was accused i even if I liked both students, dude, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm sorry. This, this feels ethically wrong to get involved and be like, hey. Right. That's how mo- most people think, right? I wonder but I wonder if lawyers think differently. But So yeah. they just kind of thought that he would get away with it because they just had circumstantial evidence. I mean, you know, the only main thing was like the CP charges. And then later they found the videos. So that the videos really fucked them up, okay? Mm-hmm. The videos through the window, that was like the smoking gun. So once they found all of that, he decided to plead guilty. Now he did make a deal that they would take off all of the CP charges if he pled guilty, which I think is forked. Because I feel like if you have CP charges, that should just like you should get tattooed child pornography on your forehead, you know, like. Oh, does that does that change the story when he goes to prison? Maybe. Maybe. Because you say CP yeah. always lands them. Could be. At the b- bottom of the. Or maybe he just the- like doesn't want it. Um, there was also like the situation where, yeah, it's just weird. He was like, that's the one I want off. Right. So they took off his CP charges and he pled guilty, told them the entire story. And he will be spending the life, his the rest of his life in prison but but he has the possibility of parole in 2041 (laughs) so after that he made a statement (laughs) so bad and he said it's difficult for me to explain why i killed lauren and concealed the deed the way that i did the difficulty in explaining it lies within my own ability to understand it myself i know that it was very wrong i'm not delusional or without all morals or decency Shut the fuck up. What are you saying? So then he tried again to get an appeal and he said that it was because his attorneys were incompetent. Now he's turning on on his attorneys and the judge was kind of confused. So were the attorneys like there was like a point where the attorney was like, what do you mean? Like you dead ass admitted to murdering someone and dismembering them and you have the possibility of parole in 2041. Like, how am I incompetent? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's one thing of being incompetent. There's another thing of being a good lawyer. And there's another thing of like fucking being a magician. Like this is like, it's insane that you're even up for parole. Like, do you not understand that? And so he wasn't granted a retrial. Now he's claiming that this is completely unfair because the police didn't get a psychiatrist when he was acting like that during the interrogation. He was like, I mean, I was just sitting there. You should have gotten a psychiatrist to make sure that I was mentally sane, that I could consent to this interrogation. You know, all of those things. So that's what it makes me feel like it was like a show. Yeah. But if it was a show. I mean, it's totally a show. The fact that he said all these things. And I don't want to say anything positive about him. But I think if it was a show, I just haven't seen anything like that before. Because you know how I said like Stephanie Lazarus's interrogation tape got me into this. Stephanie Lazarus is a police officer and she was interrogated. So she knows all of the interrogation tactics Mm -hmm. and she kind of cracked. 
Whereas this dude, he just sat there like that. Like, I just, I don't know. That's why another part of me is like, maybe it wasn't a show. Or maybe he's just like such a raging psychopath. Not a diagnosis, just a speculation. That he just like has no feelings and he can do that. Is what he did like very impressive, you would yeah. say? Just even when the police leave the room, he's still in that posture. But still though, like, it doesn't matter. You're still yeah, fucking guilty. Yeah. So... Hopefully he rots the rest of his life in prison. I mean, people highly doubt that he'll ever get out on parole. And on the bright side, Lauren Giddings does have a scholarship to be honored by. So it's in partnership, I believe, with Agnes College. And it's for people who are typically the first in their family to attend college, like Lauren was, especially if they're pursuing their law careers. Her legacy will live on and Stephen McDaniel will rot in prison. But what the fork do I know?